What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Child of God podcast. So excited to have you here. So excited to be going through numbers today. On the last episode of Numbers, we're going to be learning so, so much about the Israelites and, you know, their journey and everything that they have went through and where it has led them and who has it led them to lead them. That was such a weird way of saying it, but it is the absolute truth. So, without further ado, let's get straight into prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, today we just pray for your blessing. We pray for your love. We pray for your forgiveness. We pray for your grace just to cover us. All of those things included. We pray for knowledge. We pray not to crumble under the pressure. We pray just that this episode goes well and that you reveal to us what we what we really need to know from the book of Numbers. Amen. Guys, let me just tell you, I've been having like a really rough morning. Things have been going really crazy. But regardless, we're going to keep pushing through. We're going to just keep getting into it. Um, I'm going to actually start off this talking about um, subscribing. So don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. But also, if you really, really, really love the podcast, go ahead on Apple Podcasts and, you know, do a little comment or, you know, send a little voice note if that's what you want to do. But we would be so happy to hear from you, hear feedback, hear ideas that you'd like to see on the podcast, guests you would like to see on the podcast, all of the above. And so, getting straight into this, we are going to start off, I'm also using my phone as my Bible again, because my iPad's always dead for some reason. I actually don't even know why it's always dead, but it always dies so quickly. I think I might like trade it in and get a new one, but beside the point. So, as we were talking about earlier, we will be going into numbers, which I am so excited about because, you know, the Israelites was wild in this entire time. Like, through this whole Exodus season two, we've been seeing the Israelites, you know, appreciate, complain, and then, you know, unappreciate. And it's just been very weird to see all the things that they go through and to see, like, you know, just how they start off and how that looks. And so seeing, like, their resemblance with us and everybody, and it's just, it's pretty remarkable. So basically, what we're going to start off is Numbers 21. And how this is going to work is basically we're going to get into a little story about Balak and Balaam. And let me just tell you all. The names, they always confuse me. I always get confused with the names. And so if y'all see me like literally caught off guard because of these names, it's because they are so, so, so similar. Oh, sorry. We're going to start off with numbers 22. And so, Black is summoned by Blam. So, Black, good guy. Blam, uh, not good. Um, and so the Israelites was traveling to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw all the Israelites, all the Israel, and had done to the Amorites. And Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, The horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox looks up the grass of the field. 
So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messages to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor, near the Euphrates River, in his native land. Oh, so, like I said, I was going to get the names mixed up. So, Balaam, bad guy, Balak, good guy. Yeah. And so, basically, they summon um, Balaam because, you know, the Israel, the same God that is on the Israelite side is who's on on Balaam's side. And so they told him, they said, a people come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they're too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever is you cursed is cursed. But see, two things here, two things. One is the fact that they said, oh, these people are too powerful for me. I want you to know when people see you as a child of God, they might be thinking the same thing. They might be thinking, oh, this person is just too smart for me. This person is too, just too anything for me. And honestly, the Israelites didn't even know this was happening. They didn't even know that other nations were like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared of the Israelites. And sometimes not knowing our power is very hard or not good. Because if the Israelites knew where their power, who that they had power and where their power came from, then they would have been in their, they would have been out of the wilderness 40 years ago and they would have been in Canaan. They would have been where the Lord promised them, but they didn't know their power and they didn't know who their power was coming from. Second of all, sometimes people will come at you not knowing who your God is because they came to him saying, Oh, we know whoever is blessed is blessed, whoever is cursed is cursed. But that's not, that's not Balaam. That's God. Whoever God blessed is blessed. Whoever God curses is cursed. And so some people start to think or they start to look at you and they're like, Oh, well, this anointing is just, is just theirs. No, it was anointing by God. And so whoever calls you forth wanting something from you, you really have to look in deep what exactly they want from you. And if they actually know who you truly are and whose you are. And so the elders of Moab and Midian, they left taking them with a fee of divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. And Balaam said, spend the night here, said to them, and I will report back to you with an answer what the Lord gives me. So he didn't go saying, yeah, yeah, da, da, da. No, he said, wait, pause. Then I'll give you a response. So God came to Balaam and he asked, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message about the Israelites. But God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on these people because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, Go back to your own country for the Lord. I refuse to let me go with you. And so I wonder if sometimes we see these people, we, they walk up to us. Do we have friends? They see us, they come up to us, and we become friends with them, even though the Lord said, no, like, go back where you came from. Like, this is not the crowd that you're supposed to be with. These are not the people that you're supposed to talk to because they're getting you into things that you don't supposed to be in. They're getting you into situations that you're not supposed to be in. And I feel the same way with Blam because he was like, yeah, God said that you're not welcome to here, so you're not welcome to here, and that's on period. And so he said, don't go back to them. You must not put a curse on these people because they are blessed.
and God protect like all these backroom conversations is absolutely amazing to see because God is protecting you against kings while wow, you're just over here in the wilderness like just wor just worrying about surviving and you shouldn't even be worrying about surviving because he's already provided for you he's already protected you and you can see this here I feel like they gave us perspective this perspective of Balaam being summoned by Balak because it's showing you like all these kings could have come up against Israelites but God put a barrier God put God put someone in their way to tell them hey look I will not be doing this. You should not be doing this. And so it's so important to recognize that God is just always working and providing and protecting us. And so he said, go away. Leave me alone. I don't want to be nowhere near you. And so that night, um, He said, or the next morning, after he told him to leave, the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balak refused to come with us, period. <laughs> and then Balak sent other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balak and said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, said. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me. Don't let anything, anything. Trust me, as long as God, as long as God told me, don't, don't get there, don't get there. Don't go there. Just leave it. Don't, don't even... Don't even put yourself through it. And so, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. No. I mean, I was like, I got to tell you no. I said, no, I don't want to. And so, they're literally pressuring him. They're thinking that all this worldly wealth is going to be enough. God is always going to be enough. Who cares about the silver? Who cares about the gold? And that's what he said. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. And that's the attitude we need to come through with. We want to be like, yeah, it don't, I don't care what job you give me. I don't care how much money you give me. I don't care what house you give me. I don't care any, about any of that. I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. And he said again, now spend the night here so I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. The night God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but only do what I tell you. Don't be doing nothing else. Only do what I tell you. Purr. And so Balaam's donkey, then him and his donkey got up and they went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. <laughs> and his donkey was like, no, we're not being, we're not stepping here. We're not stepping here. Like. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord and he said, nope, let's go. And the sword was drawn in the angel of the Lord's hand. And the donkey's just trying to save, trying to save Balaam. But Balaam beating the donkey. And I wonder if we ignore, we ignore those who try to protect us. I know for a while I basically ignored anything that was trying to protect me from the, the dangerous road that I was walking ahead of me. And so, like, all of these... All of these things we see, we want signs, but there are some obvious things that are right, right in front of us that it could be our donkey and we're beating it up. We're choosing to ignore it solely because we want to walk down that road or we feel as if it's the right way. And so the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord and pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. 
So your foot gone, your relationship with your donkey gone. It's just all it's all left right now. And so the donkey said, I see I'm I'm seeing this angel. You're blind. You're not seeing this angel. And the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And he's just like, I'm tired. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect us. And the, the donkey said, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? And Balaam said, No. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The donkey said, Why are you kicking me, bro? Like, why are you kicking me? What did I do to you for you to kick me? Can't you rely on me? Don't you trust me? And so, I wonder if we ignore God when he's basically trying to tell us that we're not on the right track. When we're not walking down the right way. We're about to head into a situation that isn't good. And so, after the Lord opened his eyes, he said, why have you beaten your donkey three times? Like, what, what was what was the point? He's like, I've come here to oppose you because your path is reckless, is a reckless one before me. Now, I've had a few reckless paths, but paths, but it's the same question. Are you ignoring God, even though he's trying to protect you from a reckless path? The donkey saw me turned away from me these three times. If I had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. Blam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. <laughs> the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Armin border. And so he was like trying to, Balak was basically trying to talk to Balaam. Balaam was like, yeah, I can't say too much. I can't say too much. It's only what God allows me to say, but I can't say too much. Um, he was like, did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I not able to reward you? Well, I have come to you now, Balaam replied, but I can't say whatever I please. Period. Period. But I'm, I must speak only what God put, puts in my mouth. And so sometimes I feel like I always talk too much. Like I don't, I don't say what I'm supposed to be saying. And sometimes I wonder if God has put a word in our mouths, but we're talking too much. Like it's so simple that we don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to think about it because he's going to put that word in us to speak. And so then Balaam went with Balak and Balak sacrificed cattle and sheep and gave some gave some to Balaam and the officials who were with him. The next morning Balak took Balaam to Bamoth Baal from where he could see the outskirts of the Israel camp. They they were watching Israel. And I'm like, y'all are that's like people are that y'all that scared. Y'all are that scared that y'all gotta watch me from the mountains. Hmm. But they know, they know that God's love, God's grace, God's anointing is on these people. And they're like, how, how can I just, how can I just get, get one up on these people? You can't, you can't. The all powerful God is on their side. You just, you can't. And so Balaam was like, build me seven altars and prepare seven bulls and seven rows for me to sacrifice. And then Balaam went into privacy and he had a conversation with God to figure out what God wanted him to say and each time they had um, he had a message for him he told him to do the offering and then he went into his privacy to see what God wants him to say and so do we consult with God to see what we want God 
to put in us to see what God wants us to say um, or let him use us my words are very jumbled right now but yeah do we go into privacy and ask God hey God how are you doing um what exactly do you want me to say I'm just consulting you for a bit just tell me the message that you want me to spread and then I'll go out there and spread it and so he said stay here beside your offering while I go aside perhaps the Lord will come to meet with me whatever he reveals to me I will tell you and he didn't say, oh, if he reveals something good, I'll tell you. If he reveals something bad, I'll tell you. He said, whatever. And so the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went back to him and found him standing beside his offering with all the Moabites. And Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab, from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? And then he's talking about from the rocky peaks. I see them from the heights. I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one nation, one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number even a fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of righteousness and may my final end be like theirs. Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? He's like, what are you doing? This is not what I signed up for. I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. He answered, must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? And that's all it is. People will want to curse you. They'll probably want, they'll probably wish you the worst. But how can you denounce something that God has already put his name on? How can you curse a family of children of God that he's already blessed? You can't. You cannot. And so Balaam's second message, he went again. He said, do the seven altars. Give me some bulls, give me some rams, and I will go and see what God has to say. And so the Lord said, go back to Balak and give him this word. And so he went to him and he spoke his message and he said, arise, Balak, and listen, hear me, son of Zippor. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a, received a command to bless. He is blessed and I cannot change it. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shadow of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob. No evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel. See what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion. That does not rest till it devours its prey and the drinks the blood and drinks the blood of its victims. <sniffs> then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. Balaam answered, did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? And I think the thing is, Balak is not getting the fact that God is involved. Like he said, he said, he actually said, I'm not human that I should lie. I already told you what I had to say. I told you the truth. And also, I'm not human that I should change my mind. These are my people. They're always going to be my people. They're always going to be blessed. I will never denounce their name. They will never be cursed. So what, what is it that Balak's not getting? He's not getting it at all. And so, Blam tells him all this information. And then he said, a third message. So he said, build me seven altars again, seven bulls and seven rams for me again. And he said to Balaam, I mean, God said to Balaam again, 
And Blam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. He did not resort to divination as at other times, but turned his face towards the wilderness. When Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him and he spoke of his message. He got a prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one of one whose eyes see clearly, the prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate and those eyes are opened. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. Like valleys, they spread out like gardens beside a river, like aloes painted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets. Their seed will have an abundant water. Their king will be greater than Agag. Their king will, kingdom will be exalted. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. They devour hostile nations and break their bones in pieces with their arrows. They pierce them like a lion. They crouch and lie down like a lioness who dares to rouse them. May those who bless you be blessed and those who curse you be cursed. And so here we see not only has he not gotten what he wanted, but Balak is not about to be cursed because he's trying to curse them. And so Balak's anger burned against Balaam. He struck his hand together and he said, I summon you to curse my enemies, but you have blessed them three times. Now leave at once. I said, I would reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. Now, the crazy thing about this part is, The crazy part about this part is, is the fact that I wonder in friendships, this is how it works. We are called into this friendship to do something and friendship, businesses, just people we know, they call us, they call us in to do something because they know that we're anointed. They know that we have power from God. They know that we are blessed and then we get there and we don't do what they want us to do. We don't. We don't just leave God to the side. We take we take him with us every step of the way. And then they realize, oh, this is not what I wanted. They wanted someone to curse when all we are here are to be servants and vessels to bless. So it's very, it's very shocking to see. Like, and I, I, I'm happy for Balak because he probably was like, yeah, or Balaam. I was like, he probably was like, yeah, I, I've been wanting to leave. You were trying to get me to do stuff that I don't want to do. And so, it's hard, but that's what you got to do. And so, he said, and I still got messages. I got messages still for you. I got, like, three more messages for you. I'm not leaving yet. You asked me to be here, I'll be here and tell you what God has to say. So, he said, did I not tell you the messages you sent me? Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in this place, I could not do anything of my own accord good or bad, to go beyond the command of the Lord. And I must say only what the Lord says. He told him. He said, I told you. Nothing was going to change. Nothing has changed. <sighs> and so sometimes you get in these spaces and people want us to change. I'm not changing. This is a ch the child of God that you will always get. I'm not changing. And so Balaam said, you know what? Fourth message. He said, the prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor, the prophecy of one whose eyes see clearly. He said, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees vision from the Almighty. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. 
A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Edom will be conquered. Sarah, his enemy, will be conquered, but Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. Balaam's fifth message. He says, he says, um, to the Kenites and spoke his message. Your dwelling place is secure. Your nest is set in a rock. Yet, Kenites, you will be destroyed when Asher takes you captive. Balaam's seventh message. Alas, who can live when God does this? Ships will come from the shores of Cyprus. They will subdue Asher and Eber, but they too will come to ruin. Then Balaam got up and returned home, and Balak went his own way. Tough sauce. Very tough sauce. And so, then, not, and I know, I know Israel doesn't know about, like, this secret conversation, but I feel like, Moab then realized, okay, well, we can't go to Balak, so let's just swindle the Israelites um, into, like, worshiping our gods. Let's swindle them into having our women. And so, you see here now that the Israelites obviously didn't know that God was protecting them. God is going to be waxed hot angry um, because of the fact that they won't be there. And... They're going to be off, like, worshipping another god, even though God just finished, like, spending half of this morning protecting the people. And so, while Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women. These are the same women plotting to kill Israel. And they invited them to take sacrifices to their gods. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of these people, kill them, and expose them in the broad daylight before the laws of the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. And let me just tell y'all, I... Hopefully, if I was in Israel, I would just be watching from the sidelines. I'd just be like, hmm. Y'all know who God was. I don't know, or is. I don't know why y'all doing this. I don't know why y'all here. Y'all, y'all doing this nonsense. When we just come from Egypt, we've been doing this, that, and the next. We made an idol the other day, and y'all got us having problems. Now we back here again. Y'all just can't keep y'all so straight. That would be me. That would be my, like, little perspective Um, to the Israelites. I'd just be on the sideline, just being like, this is some tea. This is some tea. And so then there's an Israelite man who brought into a camp a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel. He is brazen. Let me just tell you, he's uh, brazen. He said, yeah, who's going to take, uh, mm. LOL. I'm like, my extraness is extra today. And so when Phineas, son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand and followed the Israelite into the tent. He drove the spear into both of them right through the Israelite man and into the woman's stomach. Then the plague against the Israelites stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000 people. And so, that's sad. It is gruesome, I will say. Um, but that was the times. That was the times. And I don't know, like, literally, it's like you're asking for it at that point. Like, you want to be brazen. You want to walk through the camp. You've seen people get dropped into the earth. You've seen people, like, die. You've seen people, you've seen people have plagues. And you still, you're still making this 
decision. How many punishments do you need to know not to do this anymore? But I've said the point. So, the Lord said to them, Treat the Midianites as enemies and kill them. They treated you as enemies when they deceived you in pure incident involving their sister. Um, and the crazy thing is, not even that. They've just been wishing death on the Israelites. They've been trying to curse the Israelites all this time. All this time. It's ridiculous that they stuck by this despite the fact that they were trying to get, that they were being cursed. Obviously, they didn't know they were being cursed. But God knew. And so he's just like, y'all falling for these women who's trying to curse y'all and bring y'all down. Y'all can't be doing this. And I wonder if, like, if instead of, like, blatantly cursing us, people distract us instead. Because those women were sent into Israel to distract. They were there to bring his father away from God. And it might be easier than to just out. We already have the protection of God, so it's going to be super hard to curse us. But... Someone coming in and trying to distract us from our purpose in God, in Christ. Have we been allowing it? Have we been allowing the distractions of the world to stop us from doing what God has us or called us to do? I have. I will openly admit that I have because, like, I know a lot of times I'm just tired, sleepy, work is killing me, um, or sometimes I just don't feel like it, and then. You get into the space where you start to not feel like it more and more and more. And then you have to like just get up the courage to do anything else. And so it's hard trying to figure out how to not get distracted, how to not allow the world to take me away from the purpose that I've meant to, 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 to do for God or with God or to be a co-laborer in God or to serve God. How, how can I not get distracted? And so in number 26, we see that they do another census. And then one amazing story is, and I read this in my devotional the other day as well, is the fact that uh, Zelophadad's daughters, their father died, they had no brothers. Um, and a lot of things go around when they talk about like women in the Bible and you know how we're viewed. And so... Let me just tell y'all, these women were strong. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza. And they came because they were giving out, like, inheritance of the land. And they came and it was like, our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who bounded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? Give us property among our father's relatives. They was like, period. They was like, it is not our fault. And he died in the wilderness along with every other old person. And so can we get can we get our our inheritance? And so Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said, Well, the Zelphadad daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them. And so of course it goes down the line of father, brother, sister, but regardless. They are entitled, or their prom God's promise still matters to them. God's promise still mattered to the women back then. And so his promises still matter to you. Um, I know a lot of people like to say women never had power. But we've, we, we see their power here. We're going to see a lot more of their power, actually, as we get more into 
the Israelites and them discovering like their purpose in Canaan and obtaining that land. We're going to see a lot more strong and powerful women come through. So be prepared. And so then we see Joshua succeeding Moses. Moses is going to go up on the hill and look in the mountains and see what he could have had if he had listened and then die. And so Moses asked God, he said, May the Lord leave someone to have, because he doesn't want the Lord's people to be sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him, per, and give him some of your authority so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. Moses did as the Lord commanded, and he took Joshua and had him stand before Eliezer the priest in the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. Then we see them go into a series of their daily offerings, their monthly offerings, the Passovers, the festival of the trumpets. We also see them dive into like how vows are made and how the rules are vows um, are committed to God. And so in Numbers chapter 30, we see a list and type of vows that come from a male, a female. Um, we see the rules that applies to those that are divorced versus widows. Obviously, these rules are, are probably not still there or so prevalent now, but that is what they had to go on. And so then we see that they are going to get vengeance for the Midianites. And so the Lord said to take your vengeance on the Midianites for the Israelites after you will be gathered to your people. And so they fought against Midian and the Lord commanded Moses to kill every man among their victims were Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. The Israelites captured the Midian of women and children and took all the Midianite herds, flocks, goods as plunder. Which, <sighs> sometimes I just like, you know, you read stuff and you realize, like, you realize that there was a lot of war going on and it makes you just feel so sad. Um, I'm not sad about them not following God, but I am sad that, you know, they could have been following the Lord and they could have, you know, just not try to distract God's people or curse them. And so that was definitely a big thing. But, and then they, like, they killed all the women that had not been touched by a man. And they took the women that were not touched by a man. And it was just, like, in my opinion, like, it was kind of sad. It just was sad to me. Um, and then they equally divided the spoils, which was pretty cool. Um, I know, like, usually when people think about, like, oh, um... This is a country we put all the we put all the spoils into the tabernacle. No, they divided divided the spoils all equally, um, especially by the people who risked their lives to go to a war, and then the rest of the Israelites, which I thought was also very cool. They got like three hundred and thirty-seven thousand five hundred sheep. They got thirty-six thousand cattle, thirty thousand five hundred donkeys, sixteen thousand people, of whom the tribute for the Lord was thirty-two, and so. They were doing and they got a lot. And so that's definitely a big thing that they got when they got revenge on the Midianites. Because honestly, if God was not there, the Israelites would have been cursed. Actually, the Israelites wasn't going to be there anyway. They would have probably still been in Egypt, stuck. But, yeah. 
So, but like I said, they didn't know about it, which such is life. Um, and then we have a group of people that said, you know what, we want to set up camp here. Like, we don't want to go into the land of Canaan or whatever. We want to be out here. We want to put our women here. We want to leave our children here. We want to leave our cattle here. And so with that decision, they said, when they came up to him and said, we would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children, but we will arm ourselves for battle and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their plates. Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. Moses brought their case to the Lord, and the Lord said, Oh, wait, no, and Moses said, if you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for battle, and if all of you who are armed cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out before him, then when the Lord is lying and subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligations to the Lord and to the Israelites, and this land will be your possession before the Lord. And so they obviously had to keep that promise. If they didn't keep that promise, you know, the sins would be upon them, and God probably would come back for them. So I know they probably really was... Uh, super afraid but it was the tribes of the Gadites and the Reubenites and they said we are your servants and we'll do as our Lord commands and they kept repeating that as well they was like your servants will do what the Lord has said we will cross over before the Lord into Canaan armed but the property we inherit will be on this side of the Jordan and so they chose they chose where they wanted to be and then at the end of Numbers chapter 33, we get a whole entire recap of the journey of the Israelites and where they've been and how they've been and what happened and all of the most important events that occurred during their time in the wilderness. And so we go into all of this, all of this information, even into the inheritance of Zophadad's daughters and how they got their inheritance and what all they got. Um, and just, they did as the Lord said, they always did as the Lord said, and that's how it worked. So, thank you guys for being here on this episode of the Child of God podcast. I'm so excited to put this out, so excited to have this conversation with you, to open up this conversation with you guys. Um... Just don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. But we will be hitting up Deuteronomy next week. And I am so excited for Deuteronomy. Oh my gosh, y'all don't know. I think Deuteronomy is like one of my favorite parts of the Exodus. But I'm not sure. It's between Deuteronomy and Joshua. But Joshua, I think, maybe another season. Maybe. I haven't decided yet. But let me know down in the comments what you thought about this episode, what you would like to see, any suggestions. Thank you all so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you all so much for reading and going through the Bible with me um, in your spare time. And I will see you guys later. Stay faithful. Stay a loving servant. Stay a child of God. Bye.